I would like to share something on what I titled Dwelling on the God Factor. Dwelling on the God Factor. It is just a reminder of who we are in Christ. And I would like to share using the story of David as an example. Um, I'm going to be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's a bit of a read, but I'll be jumping, I'll be keeping some verses as I go along. I'll start from verse 4. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and servants. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, David was the son of that Epaphrite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the man was old and advanced in years in the days of Saul. Verse 16, and the Philistines drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son, David, take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these 10 loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these 10 cheeses to the captain of the thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Verse 20. So David rose early in the morning, left the ship with the keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And the men of Israel, when they saw the men, fled from them and were dreadfully, dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? 
I know your pride and insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Now, I'll stop there for now. Now, what does it mean to dwell on something? Dwell means to live in or at a specified place, to remain for a time. What does the factor mean? A circumstance, fact, or influence that contributes to a result. Dwelling on the God factor is about living or remaining in the influence of God. Now, looking at David's story, in verse 4, it says that a champion arose. He came out and was bragging. What is a champion or who is a champion? A champion is a person who has surpassed all rivals in all in a sporting contest or other competition or a person who vigorously supports or defends a person or cause. Goliath was the champion of the Philistines. He came around terrorizing, intimidating, scaring, and what, and what have you, with his height and everything that he had. He knew who he was and believed he had no match. For instance, uh, a child that, a little child that goes out with his father is confident because he knows that nothing is going to happen to him. He has his champion with him. As in, I can just picture my little son and his father. He, wherever he's going to, he knows that he has a champion with him. The child is secure in who he is with. Just like Goliath, Goliath was secure in who he thought he was. He was so sure that they had already won battle. Verse 5 to 7 talks about the weight of his armor. He was truly prepared for the battle. I mean, picture Goliath's height. You know, if you've watched cartoons before, you know how the bad guys always look menacing. They are just here, you know, you know, trying to intimidate you and all that. Or the example of um, a bouncer at a party. You know, when they stand with their big, big chests by the door and you want to enter, even though you have your access card, you are thinking, I better behave myself before this guy just throws me out of this place and all that. So Goliath was just bragging. It seemed they were no match for him. He was so confident because, <laughs> I mean, physically, it appeared no one was like him or could beat him. He talked about them becoming his servants. And truly, the situation appeared so. Um, in football matches, okay, my husband loves football a lot. Uh, in football matches, no one really knows the outcome. You know, there are times when two teams come together to play a match and there might be a star player or a, a champion or someone that oh everybody knows ah this guy is a very good player and he might belong to one team or he might belong to the other or there might be two star players in both teams and you are feeling like yeah these people they are going to win and these other ones are, you know, are not too sure or these ones they are definitely going to win as far as this person is in is playing they are going to win but Sometimes it doesn't really turn out the way you expect. I mean, it could be 1-0. The score could be 2-0. It could be a draw. It could be 4-3. It 
it could even be three zero at the beginning and then along the line the person that is the team that has zero will gradually meet up will score one two three and eventually win we never really know the outcome it's a game of chance really but where god is involved the outcome is known and it is always a win goliath was making them afraid he was saying things that suggested that they were nothing they were like ants to be trampled upon they were truly afraid they had actually been there for days imagine 40 days i don't understand 40 days the outcome appeared to be a bad one as in their minds and everything was just somewhere else i can just imagine what they must have been going through you know like the bible even says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds i know rev was talking about um, prayer yesterday and i know that the context in context this scripture is actually um is more um, applies more to prayer but in general principle it could also apply to the strongholds of the mind what is a stronghold a stronghold you could look at it from either a positive perspective or a negative one for instance uh psalm 9 verse 9 says the lord is a refuge for the oppressed a stronghold in times of trouble that is it is an inaccessible place a refuge a defense a high fort a tower it is a defensive structure that is a stronghold now this imagine a stronghold of the mind it is like a lie that Satan has established in our thinking that we count as true, but is actually a false belief. When we embrace this negative strong, these strongholds or these negative beliefs, these lies affect our attitudes, our emotions, and behaviors. But the Bible says, pulling down of strongholds. Pulling down of strongholds for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of god we hold captive faulty patterns of thoughts that defy god's authority i mean we practically need to arrest them we arrest them we hold them captive. You know, if you've seen it before, where somebody just gets handcuffed and there's nothing the person can do, he's already arrested. So we, we have the power, we have the authority to hold captive faulty patterns of thoughts that defy God's authority. Just like Goliath was making noise. In life, some things stare you in the face, like, like a Goliath. Personal issues, Financial, emotional, family, health, work, business, the past, the future, or life generally. Some things just stare you in the face like this Goliath that is like a stronghold. Even look at Nigeria right now. We're going through so much in Nigeria. But it is like Goliath making all 
the noise? Is it the fuel scarcity? The queues at the ATM? No cash flow? And I know everybody keeps thinking, where are we going? What is going to happen? But it is all just noise. The enemy is just trying to overwhelm you so that he can steal the integrity of God's word from our hearts. It appears that the voice of the accuser is louder than that of God. But that is not the true picture. It is not the truth. It is not the truth. It might be a fact. It might actually look like it. But it is not the truth. Because with God, the outcome is known. And that outcome is always a win. The outcome is always a win. If you look at when David came to the battlefield and his brother was scolding him, you, this David, you, you have a strong heart and you are proud. Second <laughs> Timothy 1 verse 7 says, we do not have the spirit of fear and timidity, but of love and a sound mind. It was not pride. He knew who he was and he understood his assignment. David knew who he was and he understood his assignment. Sometimes when you're bold about something and you're confident, it might come out to people as arrogance and pride. But it's always good to know who you are, to know what you are about. If chapter 16, in chapter 16, before the previous chapter, David had been anointed by Samuel. He was no longer David, former David, I mean. He was a new man. He was bold. Because he had his boldness before when he was a shepherd and all that. But there was something different about him. Just like we are. Just like who we are right now in Christ. Knowing and having an understanding of the price that Christ paid for us. And what he has made us. And who he has made us. We are in a new creation. We understand the new creation realities. And we walk in it. The question is, who are you? are you do you even know who you are you have been bought with a price you are a new creation created in christ jesus you are a carrier of god you are christ like you are joint heirs with him you are no longer ordinary you are no longer ordinary you can come face to face with the enemy and be sure to win because we are on the winning side always we have bragging rights <laughs> we have bragging rights because we know who we are goliath thought he had bragging rights so that's an example because he was bragging yeah you people are going to become our servants and all that he he knew who he was or he thought he knew who he he was or better still he knew who he was he just wasn't good enough or big enough for who david was you are bold to take on the land you are bold to take on the land and much more we are of god's army we are we carry we we, we carry divinity we are divinity we are co-heirs with christ hallelujah if um, in 
verse 20 to 23, David heard Goliath's words again, the champion of the Philistines. And so the men of Israel fled and were afraid. And David spoke to the man who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? He was particular about the reproach. What is reproach? A cause or occasion of blame, discredit or disgrace or shame. I mean, someone gathered people and was tormenting them for 40 days. Just kept coming morning and evening. You come out, you insult them, scare them and all that. But you know, sometimes we focus. David was more interested in removing the disgrace and reproach from Israel rather than the reward promised. If you remember, he asked this person, the person decided, oh, what's supposed to happen if I kill this guy? Uh, okay, they are going to give you a wife, you are going to get this, you are going to get that, and all that. But that was not his focus. He was not really interested in the reward that was promised. He was more interested in removing the disgrace and reproach from Israel. Do we focus on the more important things? Or do we focus on the irrelevant things? What are the representatives of the uncircumcised Philistines around us? Things that are just making loud noises, distracting us from the real focus, making us forget who we really are and whose we are. I mean, we are in the big league. We are of God. We are in the big league. We are of God. David's brother chastised him and scolded him for coming to the battle saying, saying that he recognized his pride and insolence. <laughs> that same pride and insolence was what got them through the battle because he knew who he was. He was bold. Are we bold and fearless? Do we dwell on the God factor or do we dwell on the physical or the flesh? Are we focused on the right things or the things that constantly distract us or the uncircumcised Philistines or the representatives of that? Do we know what we carry? And are we able to translate those things into what it should be? Does it yield the expected results for us? We should ask ourselves these questions. How do we dwell on the God factor? How do we focus on the right things? How do we go about it? We can do all this if we put God's word in our hearts and on our lips, constantly speaking and confessing his word. Romans chapter 8, from verse 5 to 7, talks about us not minding the things of the flesh. For the carnally minded is death. While to be, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The key words here for me are life and peace. Being spiritually minded is life and peace. And we can only do life well by being spiritually minded. We, we do life well by being spiritually minded. You know, God can't be separated from his word. God and his word are one. God can't be separated from his word. He and his word are one. Putting God's word in our hearts is not of the flesh, but of the spirit. We need to meditate on it day and night. 
You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Constantly listening to it, meditating on it, and speaking it until we become one with it and it is part of us. You know, it's actually possible to memorize something and not know anything about what was memorized. It's not a case of Beru, Beso. Okay, how do I translate that? Lift it, memorize it, and come back and put it down. Like when we're in school and people would cram, and just, just for the exam, when you get to the exam home, just come word for word, apostrophe for apostrophe, everything, you just give it to the lecturer. Bam! One week later, ask that student one thing out of those things that he probably got an A about and he knows absolutely nothing about it. He memorized it, yet he did not actually internalize it. It is not in the activity, but in the heart and spirit. We keep at it, we dwell on it until there is a revelation and a knowing. It becomes very real to us and we can live it like David did. God's word will always produce and yield results. He was designed to do so. We know his word will not go void, but must do that for which it was sent. We need to be conscious of who we are in God. We know that we are empowered by grace. We know that God's word demolishes arguments, opinions, and theories. We stay with it. We what? We stay with it. We focus on the goal. We concentrate on the father. What will an average father do for his child? I'm talking about an average father, a good father, like our father in heaven. An average father will protect, secure, provide, shield, teach, instruct, guide, and love his child. This year is our year of the supernatural work. Hence, we know that the Spirit turns us out and gives us an edge. Because we have this edge, we know and we are sure of this advantage of being with the Father and He in us. We can surpass and overcome whatever comes our way. I mean, we live above the noise and we will be intentional about it. We actually have a lot of things that are contrary, like the uncircumcised Philistines, the economy, the systems, policies, life itself, and so many other things. But we need to look away from the contrary and dwell on the God factor. We stay, we live in it. We dwell on the God factor. We refuse to be distracted. We stay with God's word. To dwell means to stay or live somewhere. We are constantly living in God and God in us. Hence, things will definitely make progress for us. 
And to do this, we need to also rely more on the Holy Ghost. We've been having teachings concerning that. We need to rely more on the Holy Ghost, his leadings, his instructions, because it brings illumination and guidance. Like David, he wasn't phased. I mean, <laughs> when you know who you are, you know what you are, you know what you carry, you don't need to be faced. We will not be faced. We are not faced. Yes, that's the word. We are not faced. We stay with it. David knew who he was and he was willing to face the enemy boldly. We may not know the outcome of certain things, but in God, we know the outcome. And that outcome, I say again, is always a win. The outcome with God is always a win. We win. We win. We win. I mean, we need to find our anchor and be sure we are connected. And to do this, we constantly have to live above the noise. We need to live above the noise. This year, let's dwell and live on the leadership of the Holy, Holy Spirit, as we make giant strength, strides, knowing fully well that we have the God factor and it stands us out in everything. Our outcome, our outcome is sure. Our outcome is known. And we do what? We win always. Brethren, today as we go out, let's remember who we are. Let's be bold to declare. Let's walk with that confidence. Let's not let, let people even think ah, this guy is proud and arrogant. But we know that it's not just about pride or arrogance. We know who we are and we live it because we will constantly dwell on the God factor. Praise the Lord. Have a wonderful day and stay blessed in Jesus' name.